Welcome to P.U.'s Gabfest, a chapter-by-chapter page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meeks. And today we are talking about Chapter 8, The Potions Master. And this is minutes 5023 to 5533 of the film. We're introduced to the Wizarding World in Chapter 5 and 6, we were sorted in Chapter 7, and now it's time to get a look at magical classes. But before we start gabbing about classes, we wanted to give a spoiler warning. We will be using our vast knowledge of the Wizarding World to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or the films. You've been warned, Ickle Firsties. Now, without further ado, let's cause some mischief. Before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet. You know what's worse than a bogey-flavored birdie bots bean? Crappy cardboard jigsaw puzzles. That's why we're excited to tell you about Wongo Puzzles. They are 100% wooden puzzles, so they'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same. And you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. I so what do you guys think like the owl one. The owl is so cool. I went on the website. I really, and yeah. I was just looking at all of them. They're all so pretty in the owl one. It's just uh, the colors are so cool. I think Slytherins were really like the peacock because it's green and peacocks are like the sign of Malfoy Manor. So true. There are a few other ones that I think are pretty cool, but I think the peacock one was probably the best in my opinion. I feel like I just need to do all of them because I like all of them a lot. <laughs> I've really wanted to get into puzzles and I had people gift me puzzles last year for Christmas and I haven't done a single one but I think now's the time you okay I have I am not joking probably over 50 puzzles at my house so I have you completed them (laughs) uh not all of them some of them I've done multiple times because I like them a lot so I've like kind of like rereading books that you already have instead of just reading the new books that you bought well I bet they're not Wongo puzzles no, they are not. It would be very exciting to have some wooden puzzles instead. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST, G-A-B-F-E-S-T, to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle, guaranteed, or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code GABFEST to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Welcome back. James, do you want to hit us with some feedback? Yes, I do. So our friend Karen who follows us on Facebook and probably other things, but mainly Facebook, (laughs) let us know uh, that a term is like a semester. So a usual school year has three terms, an autumn term, 
is from September to Christmas, a spring term, which is from January to Easter, and a summer term, which is from Easter to the end of July. Hogwarts seems to only have two terms per year because their only mention of a holiday is Christmas. So All I right. thought that was very interesting. Uh, that's Yeah, we of... got some clarity on terms. Yeah, so now so... how do you feel, James, about Hagrid or what was it that Harry? Oh, yeah. Hagrid said, yes, this should do for a few terms, right? How do you feel about that line now? <laughs> now, now it probably makes it feel like it's a little bit more reasonable, but I would love <laughs> to, I, I would love to maybe visit back on the topic when we read chapter two on whether or not when he goes to Diagon Alley, he goes and visits Gringotts to get more money to mm-hmm. buy additional things for his second year. Uh, because okay. that would be an interesting kind of like maybe callback because I know he goes to Gringotts in his third year uh, mm. to get some additional money, but I don't remember mm. if he goes into his second year to buy more things. So okay. I'll have to kind of maybe visit back on that topic when we get into book two. Um, I love these explanations. These yes, she's giving us so many little nuggets. Into She's a really good correspondent. Yeah. Um, Meeks, do you have a review for us? I do have a review for us. We got the music, the amazing topic, and the host's passion for the HP world makes this podcast so fun. Great job from One V-Ball Coach. Thank you. Thank you. V-Ball Coach. (laughs) We appreciate people giving us um, reviews on the podcast platforms that's very helpful for our little our little baby podcast and i like how everybody's loving the music that's my favorite (laughs) meeks how are you feeling about montages this chapter with um the classes i mean you read my mind sarah day i know you were thinking Mm -hmm. it too the whole chapter basically Yes, could be a montage. montage. <laughs> except for it would be just all montage except for the scene with McGonagall and then That's the scene it. with the potions master. But I mean, the rest gotta be montage. Montage heavy episode. So I actually have a different take on this uh, this chapter. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with montages. And I think that if they do a montage, I think it's definitely going to happen. But my take on this is actually when I was reading it, I was like, this is going to be one of those opportunities for them to be able to expand the universe mm-hmm. uh, and be able to kind of add things that were not in the book add some character uh, character developments into the book for extra mm-hmm. extra characters, like some of the classmates maybe. Maybe we'll get to have some interactions with Dean Thomas or Seamus Finnegan that weren't written down uh, as they're going in and exploring these classes. And then it gives us an opportunity to know Professor Sinestra of the um, astronomy mm-hmm. class and to see Professor Quirrell in action during Defense Against the Dark Arts. Because we actually don't see a lot of teaching going on in the movies. Um, We don't actually see them kind of participate a lot in those classes. And we do get some activity class-wise in the book. But in reality, we don't have 
a lot to kind of go off of. And so I think TV show wise, in order to make this like a good episode, if they want to stick to having like one episode for every chapter, this would be one of those good opportunities for the writers and JK Rowling to kind of put their brains together and go, what do we want to add to make this a fulfilling episode? Because the main topic is already there. We know it's the potions master. We know it's the relationship between Harry and Snape, but in order to fill time, they that's only going to be like maybe half the episode. It's not going to be the entire thing. So in right. order to fill up time, you have to add some additional things. And so I think it's going to be interesting to have, see what they do with that. And I mean, we have a look into each of his classes and we have a look at Filch and Mrs. Norris. Um, but like you mentioned astronomy and Sinestra and she is at the feast, but we never see her again, really. We never see that class. We have herbology with Sprout. That's not in this scene. History of Magic with Professor Binns, completely cut from the film. Charms with Flitwick, which we do see later, but not in this particular chapter. Transfiguration which with, with McGonagall, which we do see. And then Defense Against the Dark Arts, which we don't see. So there's a ton of stuff to fill an episode. Um, yes. But yes, I did write down montages. <laughs> yes. Well, because we, they can do both. Like, they can... Um, I think a montage obviously would be fun, but I completely agree that there is so much side character material and side class material that they really could explore. And so I would love, I would love to see both. I would ooh, obviously ooh, love to see a montage, but yes. What? Meeks, if, um, if they go the comedy route, which you're really pushing for, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the montage could just be the portion of their first week where they're yeah. getting lost all the time <laughs> yes yes absolutely i mean this is like what is going on in my head so yeah yes with that being said <laughs> this is the chapter that kind of really explains in detail like the extravagance and complexity of hogwarts mm -hmm. that is something that is not necessarily explored thoroughly in the books we really i mean sorry in the movies because we really don't get to see that because they kind of just go from scene to scene oh this is the important setting for now mm -hmm. uh they maybe change a few things overall with different sets and and, and things as, it, as it, it develops from movie to movie but really there's not a lot of consistency the outside has a lot of consistency the outside castle has always been yeah. consistent uh, in the movies as like a thing but inside you're kind of just jumping back and forth from these things and oh the gray hall is different now and then than it was before and uh this room that was over here is going to be over there like for example the the biggest one that's on my mind is like the gryffindor common room they go in this whole completely different direction to go to the gryffindor common room but in the third movie it's a completely different spot <laughs> than where they went before mm-hmm and that's why I mentioned last week about having the consistency because it's one show um, and like the producers and the showrunners will be consistent throughout the seven seasons that the sets can be the same consistency throughout mm -hmm. the seven seasons. Yes. Yeah. So I would definitely like to see more Hogwarts complexity. I'd like to see like definitely, I think that would be a good montage option is them Going, try, mm -hmm. going and trying to find their way around the school and 
all that kind of stuff like them getting lost them having to deal with the vanishing step on one of the steps and mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah all that stuff i highlighted all of those little tidbits in the book um there's some doors that wouldn't open unless you asked politely or tickled them in the exactly <sighs> right place in exactly the right place and doors that weren't really doors at all but solid walls just pretending um yeah this ha- definitely has to be a full episode yeah well and then also peeves too because peeves the poltergeist was worth two locked doors and a trick staircase if you met him while you were late for class he would drop, he would drop waste paper baskets on your head pull rugs from under your feet pelt you with bitch of ch- bits of chalk or sneak up behind you invisible grab your nose and screech got your conk can we just have a peeves montage every episode <laughs> ah. <laughs> um And another thing, too, that I want to see is that I feel like they did not do well in the film at all. I think Filch, I think they casted Filch really well. I think Mm -hmm. like that, I think Filch was great by himself. But Mrs. Norris was a pretty big part of the series, the books. Mm -hmm. And she she's in the movies, but not like not super really, you know, but um, I think. I, I just want to see like Mrs. You know, they're all going to class or they're running late to class or something. And then you see Mrs. Norris and the Mrs. Norris actively goes to get Filch because that's how it is in the books. And we don't really get that relationship between the two of them. You just see like clips or scenes of Filch holding Mrs. Norris, but not like their, you know, detective partnership that they have mm-hmm. in the in the books. Which is something they can expand upon in the episode. They they can give yeah, Filch yeah. and Mrs. Norris an opportunity to 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 kind of just go in and be like, ha and they're like, <laughs> ah. Um, and I also highlighted Filch knew the secret passageways of the school better than anybody, except for perhaps the Weasley twins. And great foreshadowing having that mm-hmm. in there. And I remember reading for the first time in book three when the Weasley twins knew about the passageways and the whole Marauders map and all of that. And I remember that callback from the first book and being like, Whoa, you know? And so I want to see, I don't know, some more connection, but I mentioned that in the last episode where the Weasley twins are constantly referred to throughout the books and we don't get very much of them in the film. So I'd love to see more, more of their connection in the show. Mm, Yeah. Have the Weasley twins prank some people during the episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well just like little things and they just have them be mentioned more and stuff yeah just seeing but, seeing all of these characters and all of these classes and all oh of these yeah professors it's just gonna be a really fun not necessarily filler episode but um just giving it more depth that kind of fun casual type of yeah. episode you know what i really want <laughs> and i think everybody knows where i'm going with this with how desperately I want this to be a comedy show. So like um, an office style show where they do the interviews of the teachers, especially the first week of school. And they just yeah. like the cameras interviewing that or the camera crew or whatever is interviewing the professors like on their break. And they're just like, Oh my God, like Susan bones in my class would not stop, you know, doing this or whatever. Like, you know, the teachers being like in real life, you know, getting all exhausted, like Abbott elementary, they do a really oh, good job or- of that. I haven't seen Abbott Elementary, but Glee did yes. like the teachers lounge yes. every once in a while. So, so that would funny. be fun. I, I would love lounge. that. <laughs> there is a teachers lounge uh, mm-hmm. basically in yeah. 
in, in somewhere in the story yes. uh, we get introduced to it but uh, in the i know in the sixth one with slughorn that, yeah. So, yeah, I think that it's, I mean, it's so funny and JK Rowling does a good job of it in general, which we've already talked about. And I'm sure we'll keep talking about it, but putting the wizarding world, like connecting the wizarding world to the regular world and, and showing the humor in that, like, I'm, you know, you can have your imagination of what Arthur Weasley looks like when he's trying to use a muggle train, you know? And so I think that she already does a good job of writing that humor. And so it'd be really fun to see that come through in the show and i just see a scene where like flip flickwick's going through the 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 roster harry mm-hmm. potter <gasps> lenny falls off his like yeah <laughs> yeah all those little details i think they really show the characters because that you know they i think they did fine overall like I, you know like i think i think it's fine but um i think they could add a lot more depth to the professors and the professor yes. characters by adding in all of those little details so controversial topic <laughs> why did they change flickwick's like appearance i actually have an answer going for this forward because i'm an like really curious because like they they have his character kind of like set in the first one and then all of a sudden he changes and has like a mustache and yeah. like blacker hair and i'm just like what the heck? At first, I yeah. didn't even realize it was Flickwick. I thought it was a completely different character altogether. <laughs> because it was. was watching, but it then- was a completely different character because he was actually the, um, not composer, but who's the guy the that conductor. stands there? And the conductor of the band. And that was his character, but they liked him so much that they retconned him to be Flitwick moving forward. That's mm. interesting. That's so mm-hmm. weird. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. I was kind of mm. just like, what the heck? This is Flitwick now? Yes. Like, <laughs> why did they change him? <laughs> probably like the makeup and everything. Because Warwick Davis plays both characters. So probably yes. the not having as much makeup on him as he is in this version. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts before we move on to the potions class? Um, Yes. I I laugh, I chuckle every time I read it when um, they're in Transfiguration and only Hermione Granger had made any difference to her match. Professor McGonagall showed the class how it had gone all silver and pointy. <laughs> I love that. I mean, again, I think JK does a really good job of writing very dry humor in that that type of instance where like you can just imagine Professor McGonagall saying in front of the class like, you know, explaining it as if like people don't know what a mat or what a needle looks like. And um, so I, I <laughs> highlighted that because I think that that's really, really funny. And again, like we talked about in the last episode with um, McGonagall, when it's kind of out of character for her to be all um, competitive. Um, and so when she does some like a really, really dry humor like this, which I see a lot of in the books, it just is, it's funny because it's like her, her being funny. Um, right. and you, you know, she doesn't always do that. And so I, I like that. And, um, and oh, then and also, McGonagall smiles. Yes. She the gives rare Hermione smile. a rare smile. Mm-hmm. Rare smile. Um, and then also before, um, potions classes when Hagrid writes Harry the letter. Yes, so I it's in the script, and I didn't want to mention that before potions class, okay. even though it is on the script, because it is not in the film that way, okay. and I thought that we would talk about that particular um, 
plot point yeah. after we we cover potions class. But yes, Perfect. we get a le- letter from Hagrid um, inviting him to tea. Mm-hmm. Okay, Yay. potions time. So Snape enters the classroom and Alan Rickman is just wonderful. <laughs> mm-hmm. He really is. Yeah. Rest in peace. I know. Yeah. No, he does such he does such a fantastic job. I mean, and Sarah Day, I know you had said that he's not really who you had envisioned Snape to be. And he actually isn't who I had envisioned Snape to be either. Um, but man, like he I know. He commands any scene that he's – I mean, everything that I've ever seen him in, like, he just – he does such a good job. He's He was so talented at acting, and so I just love that, like, right when we meet him and he has, you know, a real speaking role, it just – you can see how captivating he is, and they say that in the book, too, about how he and McGonagall have that gift of keeping a um, keeping a class quiet without trying. And so I love that well, Alan Rickman does such I a good job. I don't necessarily think that that means he's captivating more than he is terrifying. Well, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's very – it's different compared to McGonagall, of course, with their personalities and evil versus not evil. But but as far as – I, they mention that in the book, how they – can keep everybody's attention and then alan rickman completely proves that with his acting ability so i like that uh connection now james you mentioned um outside of the recording that there may or may not be some extra scenes for us there is so as you all know now this is like the eighth episode you guys have listened to I have made it my responsibility to <laughs> show you all the little nuggets they added into this extended version of the film because I never knew there was extended scenes. And so I basically have watched them over and over and over and over again until they have catch become <laughs> my new favorite thing. So uh, the last scene that we had was from chapter five and that was Hagrid being on the subway train with Harry. There is no new additional scenes except for maybe an extended shot of like a view of Hogwarts as we're kind of going by the first week. Uh, I think that wasn't necessary. I think, I think throughout the movie there's additional see like additional views of Hogwarts as a castle type scenario. Uh, that I don't remember uh, from past uh, versions. But uh, as for scene-wise, this particular section of is the Potion Master section. And in the original, it's actually a lot shorter than it is in the book. Uh, Snape kind of goes in and says, hey, oh, it's Harry Potter, our new celebrity. And... He asks, I think he asks the questions and Hermione's trying to like raise his hand and he's like, oh, disappointing. And then he has the class move on uh, from that, I believe, is how the scene goes. Um, But in the extended scene, uh, he asks the question and he's like, oh, it looks like fame isn't everything. And Harry responds back with a snide remark. Yeah, I don't know, but maybe Hermione seems to know. And like the class laughs and Snape kind of like quiets them all down with a look. And then he walks up to Harry and sits like right in front of him on like a chair or a stool or whatever. 
and he's and he says line for line the stuff in the book he of the questions that he asked tells him where he gets a or tells him how to make the draught of death how uh tells him about aconite uh and then he is looking at harry like all intensely and alan rickman does a really good job like portraying all this and so it really amazes me why they cut it in the first place but he goes and says why aren't you all writing this down and then he gets up and continues the class and then deducts five points not one point five points from gryffindor for harry's cheekiness mm-hmm. mm. and then uh he gives a little stare at harry and harry stares back and you can kind of sense the tension and that's the entire mm scene so they extended it a little bit past where it ends originally uh, and i think it definitely adds a little bit more tension between snape and harry so it really is like weird that they decided to cut that out originally from the film because i think it was done so well and it was only like 30 seconds so why cut it yeah. in the first place uh and another thing it shows is again Harry's sassiness like I don't know the answers but Hermione does because she's sitting there with her arms up shaking it like I know the answer um so another example of and remind me or correct me if I'm wrong but is this the second time the film has cut Harry's quirkiness yes because the the elephant skin stuff right Mm -hmm. yep so it's just the things that they cut are Harry's wit Mm mm-hmm that's really disappointing. <laughs> Me yeah. like mm, over it. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> um, um, one thing I noticed. Sorry, Migs, did I just cut you off? Go for it. One thing I noticed was Tom's acting, and I believe it's the line Snape says, "Put a stopper in death." And Tom's face just lights up, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you just see that sense of awe that Draco has for Snape. Yes. I did notice that, too. Um, what I was thinking that I, what I don't like <laughs> from the book is um, when Snape is first talking um you are here to learn the subtle science and exact art of potion making that speech that he gives he said so he and alan rickman does a really good job of doing that word for word that whole paragraph but then in the book which i never even when i was younger and i read it i it felt like a weird sentence to me so he says this and he's being all like um kind of not snobby but like you know very you know, snapey about it. And then he, <laughs> and then he says, if you aren't as big a bunch of dunderheads as I usually have to teach. And I feel like that is not something that Snape would say. Not that he wouldn't call somebody mm. a name, but it just, the way that that's written always felt kind of out of place to me. So every time I read it, I'm like, I just can't really see him saying that, but it's a small gripe, but it's a rare gripe that I have about the books. Um, Interesting. But, yeah. yeah. I actually have a different take on that. And as much as I love Alan Rickman's portrayal of Snape, I think Alan Rickman did a really good job. And he brought the character to life in ways that, you know, not anybody else probably could. I actually think Snape is 
a complete different personality, just like Ollivander. And I think the way that the book portrays him is a lot more aggressive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas Alan Rickman portrayed Snape and a lot of people imagine Snape as a lot more um, reserved and a lot more silent. Mm -hmm. Whereas I imagine Snape more like uh, the actor who plays Karkaroff in uh, uh, movie four. Mm. And I see him with more of that kind of like uh, a little bit more greasiness of the hair and like a little beard pointy beard and just kind of having that look like sneer on him yeah and as he's saying these lines he's a little bit more aggressive he's whereas alan rickman is going on and doing it a little bit more finessely a little bit more poshly um like he's because he's british obviously but because he's alan rickman (laughs) yeah because he's alan rickman but I I think if there was any ever time to like reimagine a character, Snape is going to be one of those characters that gets to get yeah. reimagined. And I think it's going to I think it's going to be a lot of people are like saying, let's bring in a character that can bring the Alan Rickman version back to life. And I think that would just be a disservice to Alan Rickman's legacy. I think somebody coming in and just reinventing the character would be way better because it would bring sides of the character. Like Sarah Day always says, because we have all the knowledge now, it would bring Mm -hmm. sides of the character that we haven't ever considered before. And we can use our entire knowledge of Snape's life in these segments from the very beginning and just create a whole new character that approaches these sentences way differently so i can see a snape that says dunderheads i can see a snape going you dunderheads because i can see a different version than what alan rickman brought to the table well and i think what meigs was originally saying and correct me if i'm wrong meigs but you don't see either version saying the word dunderheads because dunderheads is more of a comedic word than snape would use yeah like he just seems more he seems really um his character seems really um, concerned with having um, a certain image of being um, very intelligent. And the word dunderhead is not a word that I would imagine even Snape being aggressive or I would say energetic. Like he just, he has more energy in my mind in a not good way. Obviously he doesn't use it for good purposes, but he has more energy than the way that Alan Rickman portrayed him in the book in my head. Um, but it's still just the word Dunderheads is like not um, it just seemed like a throwaway line where mm-hmm. that conflicts with how I view him, which is being concerned with everybody knowing that he's very intelligent and kind of putting on that sort of an image. So it, it just like conflicts with my my little headcanon that I have yeah. for him. So one thing, going back to um, James, you're saying that you hope that they bring a whole new feel to the character. I think a lot of book readers will agree with you, and I do too, because the big like debate on all of the forums like Reddit about Snape is his redemption arc, and is it deserved or is it not? And is he 
should you like him or should you not like him because he is a bully and he like the way he treats Neville and things like that. How can you redeem that just because at the end of the series, he does save the day and he is not save the day, but he put himself in a very dangerous situation and he sacrificed himself. But does that really redeem all these bad things? And in the movies, when you're just a movie viewer, because Alan Rickman plays Snape and it's Alan Rickman and they leave out a lot of that hateful, this, um, the hateful stuff that he says, um, you don't get the same, like you, you do love him by the end of the series and you, the book is a completely different character. Like we said, the movie character and the book character are completely different characters. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see who they cast, how they play this character and I do think they're going to go more lean into his hatred and mean mm-hmm. tendencies mm-hmm. in the show. I hope so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree with, with what you're saying. I think it's um it's a very controversial topic among Harry Potter fans cuz there is. are some people that just get super heated about it and I'm kind of just like really <laughs> but right. um it's gonna be interesting because i he's gonna be one of the characters i focus a lot on when i do my deep dives on tiktok mm-hmm. um in character writing and how like how jk rowling kind of crafts these characters and what their like hidden meanings are and, and stuff like that because i really want to crack the snape like the nut that is snape and i want to kind of understand where everything is coming from and how maybe she was intending for his character like his character to be because i agree there are times where he does things and i'm kind of just like whoa like that is not nice at all (laughs) like that is just like i can kind of understand where like he is can like like despised and things like that and there are other times where he does things where he has like genuine care behind it and you're kind of going like what is this guy's motive what is this guy's like purpose in life like i don't get what's going on in his head um so it's gonna be an interesting topic for sure and hopefully like maybe when the show comes out it will give us an opportunity to kind of maybe see a little bit more into that perspective and kind of get it because the last thing that gets me is that Harry named one of his kids after him. So if anything, I think, you know, whatever people feel is whatever people feel. I get it. But Harry respected the man at the end. So Harry sees something that was redeemed in the long run. And so whatever your opinion is on the character itself and like whether he deserves an like a redemption arc, in the end, the main character decided he was worthy enough to be named by one of his children. Saturday, you're muted. I'd love to ask Neville Longbottom how he feels about Harry naming his child after Ooh, yeah. the man that abused him for seven years. Yeah, yeah. That would be an interesting conversation. But that's a great point, James. Any other thoughts on the potions master before we move on? Um, I don't think I have any more thoughts on the potions master, but I do have some thoughts about um, 
the stuff that we talked about before that I forgot to bring yes. up as far as like the classes and kind of that whole montage scene. Oh, yes. Um, so I talked about it a little bit in the last episode before remembering that it's supposed to be this episode. Um, but the way that they did the staircases in in the show in the movie is I think totally fine and acceptable for the CGI of the time period and what mm. they were able to do. So I feel like they built a great scene. They made a magical school. Like they did a great job um, with what they, with the tools that they had. And so I hope that in the show with much more that they're able to do with CGI, that they do a lot more um, creative stuff with the staircases um in general so i know we kind of talked about that before and then we talked about like the um it, in this episode we talked about like the um oh my god i already forgot was it last episode or this episode where we talked about like tickling the pear and the fruit bowl to get into the kitchen um yeah, last, last episode. episode oh my god okay so like all of those details, I really want to see more of that, like more of that creativity, because I, when I am imagining Hogwarts, when I'm reading it, there's just there's just a little bit more. I feel like films did a good job making it look magical and making it wondrous, but not enough like kind of the silly creativity that goes along with it. Um, and then I love when they are when Harry and Ron are late going into McGonagall's class mm -hmm. in the film. I love that scene so much. I love the moment when the camera shows Hermione rolling her eyes at them and how McGonagall acts when they like realize that she's the cat that's sitting there, you know, like that whole, that whole scene. And she tells them to, you know, turn themselves into a pocket watch. Like I think that Dame Maggie Smith did such a good job in that scene and yeah. that's like exactly what I had imagined it would be like when I was reading them going into transfiguration for the first time. So I just wanted to comment on that and say that I really like Maggie that. Smith is amazing. I, I love know. her so much. Yeah. I am loving Downton Abbey be just yes, because of her. Yes, I was just about to yes, say. I was going to say it too. Just, oh yeah. She's just perfect. Her. <laughs> yes, I love yes. her like little comebacks and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There was like she's one the episode best. there was one episode where she was sitting in with uh, somebody and she sat in a chair and it was like one of those swivel chairs and she's like, why is this chair moving? And uh, the guy was like, oh, it was a chair invented by uh, Thomas Edison. It's just like, why does every day have to be a battle with the Americans? And I love that line. So she's really good at those like little one-liners. And I think that's mm -hmm. like what pops out in the Harry Potter movies really good is that she likes, she she's really good at delivering those lines. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, she's great. Um, and then I also love, which we'll probably talk about it a little bit. I, I would imagine when we start talking about them going to um, have tea at Hagrid's, but I love little Harry wanting to read the Daily Prophet, you know, um, when it gets delivered. I can't remember to who I have the book right in front of me. I could just look it up, but yes. Harry wants to look at it. And I just love the thought of a little 11 year old Harry Potter looking at that. Yeah. So that's the big change of this chapter is that, Hagrid had invited Harry over for tea and Ron is like, oh, I'd love to go with you. And they do go have tea with Hagrid and that's where he sees the Daily Prophet. But mm -hmm. in the films, the Daily Prophet is delivered mm -hmm. at, the, at breakfast mm -hmm. in the Great Hall. Um, and I believe in the book, it's he's 
because Ron and Haggard are going off on some tangent, Harry notices the the paper and starts reading it to keep himself occupied during yes. their discussion. Which is the second time he's heard about it because the first time he heard about it, he heard that somebody broke into it and he was like, oh, I, oh, that's interesting. Uh, the second time he he this is the second time he encounters the story and this is the first time he discovers that it happens the same day right because i think i maybe it was on the train ron had said somebody had robbed green dots yes. or somebody so, something like well. that happens but we we know that there was a break in in green dots but it was kind of just said whereas this mm -hmm. is the first confirmation about more details and that's when harry first discovers that it happens the same day yes and he also got it he also sees that it is vault 713 and i know that we talked previously about it not having numbers um but it 713 is mentioned in this article no we talked about harry's vault not having numbers 687 doesn't have a number in the book but it has one in the film oh yeah okay well interesting because it is interesting I wonder, yeah. but do they just call it harry's vault then or like the potter's vault yeah it, i wonder I'd if they like, do yeah. have numbers if they they clearly have numbers so i wonder if that was just i think they, they say the number i think it comes up in the seventh or in a later book right must but it definitely doesn't not in the first time that Harry goes, goes to Grin into Gringotts. And so anyways, um, I do want to see in the show um, like just more more of those details of the um, the owls coming for breakfast uh, during breakfast and stuff. So they do. I think that they do a pretty good job of that in the movie overall. Mm -hmm. But because there's so much feeling um a attached to that for harry because he doesn't have a family that's writing to him i think it's like it's a really big deal that he gets the letter from hagrid yeah. and so i just mm -hmm. want to see more of that emotion packed into it and james was talking in a previous chapter about how hagrid takes in these like broken creatures and he's taken in Harry as yeah. one of his creatures. So it's nice to bring that back. And like, he's like, I just want to check in on you and see how, you know, classes are going. Yeah. Hagrid, the father so figure. Sweet. So sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really, really love it. Um, And then a, a technical thing, I guess. So I have the iBook version in front of me with ebook, I guess. And for Hagrid's letter that comes in, and so this is something that maybe I can like share a picture of it so that I don't have to describe it poorly on a podcast. But um, for Hagrid's letter, it says, Harry tore it open at once. It said in a very untidy scrawl, colon, and then dear Harry, and then the words in the letter. In the illustrated version that I have, it says, Harry tore it open at once. And then directly into the the words and the letter, dear Harry, in parentheses, still italicized like it's Hagrid's script. It says in the parentheses, it said in a very untidy scroll. Huh. Scroll. Is that a, I mean, that's like a typo to me because I remember when I read it in the illustrated 
version when I read it a couple days ago, I was like, that seems like a mistake. And then I read, I reread it all this morning on the ebook and it was different. And so I'm very curious if anybody else has noticed any differences like that or if the illustrated version just has a big fat typo in it. I think it's a big fat typo because I'm looking right now at the Mina Lima one and it says Harry tore it open at once. It said in a very untidy scrawl. Yeah, my book colon, said that too. Okay. Harry. Wow. Okay. Should I be the editor of Harry yeah. Potter books? Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. <laughs> I've always wanted the job of continuity mm-hmm. for shows. I'm always um, like seeing continuity errors. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's fun to like think about all those details just about, you know, about whatever your fandom is. Oh, I did also highlight in the book, Harry and Ron were delighted to hear Hagrid call Filch that old git. (laughs) I want to see that in the like Hagrid call him that and then Harry and Ron like look at each other and smile and chuckle. You know, I want to see that in the show. Definitely. Mm, And the rock cakes. We don't really get. Uh, the rock cakes keep coming back in yes, all of Hagrid's the books. cooking in general is always described as being yeah. terrible. And mm. that would be so fun to see in the show. Yeah, I agree. Although it does make me feel really bad for Hagrid. I repeatedly feel <laughs> feel really bad for Hagrid because there are so many times where like he's looked at as being bumbling around, you know, yeah. and it makes me feel really bad for him. But, but the trio really ad- adore him. Of course they do. Yeah. And Dumbledore trusts him with his life of course of course all right any other thoughts about this chapter those are all the notes i have yeah this wasn't a very long chapter Mm -mm. that's okay we're still talking for 45 minutes so yeah (laughs) all right so james do you have a peeves pleasure oh i don't know if i thought of one for this chapter actually to be honest, um, I didn't write down one either. I have a quick one. <laughs> Peace pleasure would have to be finding out that the extended version mm. has this scene, like has the Snape talking scene. I really liked discovering that because I think having that one in, in its entirety kind of gives Alan Rickman a little bit more like wiggle room and kind of developing the character. Yeah. And it the scene does a really good job of like creating that tension between Snape and Harry at the very beginning. Instead of instead of kind of being like, oh, Snape doesn't like Harry and Harry doesn't like Snape for some reason. Whereas this creates the conflict and it kind of maybe it starts that rivalry, like you said, with like Draco and Mm -hmm. and Harry in the movie, that like little scene that develops that this is the scene that develops it really well. And you can kind of understand why Harry thinks Snape's the bad guy going forward. Mm hmm. Meeks, um, the my well, peace maybe, pleasure. I guess this would be the salute. Um, okay, I have my salute ready. So, the pleasure would be, I guess, just. I mean, I feel like I say this a lot, but because it's what I think the films do a really good job at is just the world building and making it magical. Everything looks really magical. The music is great. Um, So even though they have, there's plenty of things that, plenty of details that they left out uh, that I really hope to see in the show, um, what they did with the films as far as making it like a magical wonderland. um, Mm -hmm. I think they did a great job. Yeah. 
I um, didn't have anything written down, but for the sake of the podcast, mm. I will say <laughs> that I liked seeing a look into the classes. We did mm-hmm. get two classes, so I liked seeing a look into Transfiguration and a look into potions. Even though we didn't see the actual education, um, it was good just to get those settings. Mm-hmm. All right, peeves, peeve, James. <sighs> well, no, it's such a short chapter. I don't really think there was a peeves, peeves for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just recently read it, so it's like fresh in my mind. But I really don't think that there was anything that they like in the adaptation itself i don't think there was anything taken out that i'm kind of like how dare they leave this out (laughs) and so Mm. i i i'm gonna have to say there wasn't anything for me this chapter i um i don't like that they kind of shifted it around and took out hagrid's tea and or them going to Hagrid's for tea. Like, I just don't really like how they shifted that around because I didn't, I don't feel like they needed to, you know, I, I feel like it's another one of those situations where I, I don't quite understand why they made that change um, for the film. Mm-hmm. And it's not a huge deal. I think that it's fine. Um, Overall, like this, you know, it's so short and what they did put in, I think worked but I, you know, it's just kind of like well, that yeah. was really important. It was a really important scene for for or a moment, I guess, for Harry to get that letter and yeah. to be able to to have a some type of parental figure, you know. So that would be it. Mine is not seeing the extended scene, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna go look that up. <laughs> Your own peeve. <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, Weasley salute, James. So, my Weasley salute this time around is going to be about Snape. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um. Oh, dang it! I had it, and now I'm losing it. Don't go away! Don't go away! Someone distracted me. <laughs> trying to bring it back into my head. It was really good. Um, dang it. It was about Snape. Well, I can you tell you while you're thinking of it, there's really a really dangerous thing is happening right now where my cat, one of my cats, who's really cuddly, likes to try to jump on my desk where all of my cords are that are hooking up my microphone and my headphones and plugging in my laptop and everything's all connected. And she likes to try to jump right where all the cords are. And she jumped right next to it. And I'm like trying to hold her off without making her knock everything over. It's very stressful over here, folks. (sighs) (laughs) She's a real Mrs. Norris right now. You're going to have to come back to me. Mm -hmm. My wait for Weasley salute, right? Yes. My Weasley salute is Alan Rickman and uh, Dame Maggie Smith and their acting um, 
absolutely fantastic. I know I mentioned Dame Maggie Smith for the last episode. I don't care. She kills it always, <laughs> even though she had such a short moment, you know, in this scene in the movie. Um, but she did great as always. Alan Rickman did absolutely fantastic, um, as we've already talked about. So they are my salute. I also had Alan Rickman written down as my Weasley salute um, because he is phenomenal. And while I do sort of side with the his rendition is not as evil as as the book, um, I don't really hold that against him. And I mm-hmm. um, I don't care enough. I yeah. Guess. Um, well, he did a good job with what he did do. Side. Right. And um, his acting is just so good. And there's just no, I mean, yeah, there's no denying his acting um, abilities. Mm-hmm. And th- the presence that he created in that scene of the potions class um, r- earned the title of the potions master, like earned the chapter title. Yes. I agree. Definitely. Okay, I remembered. (laughs) My Weasley salute is about Snape. So, surprise, surprise. Uh, But I'm going to take you back (laughs) to the first time you've ever read Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I'll try. When you are reading this book, you you are getting to this point in the chapter and you know nothing you don't know the end you don't know how it like who who lord voldemort is with uh you you know you know nothing about anything you don't know what the sorcerer's stone is at this point nothing all you know is this guy not so great and he hates harry for some reason and harry wants to know why so this is an experience you only get to have once which is why i tell listeners if you have not finished the book and you are listening to this podcast you are doing yourself a disservice because you are missing out on cool experiences because this is only an experience you get to have once and i got to relive it just a tiny little bit because i realized from harry's perspective he doesn't know anything he just knows that snape hates him and he doesn't uh, and he he doesn't know why and so to us as the readers for the first time ever not knowing anything about snape's story and who he is and like what he becomes and things like that we really honestly think this is the antagonist of the story and this is a true to honest protagonist versus antagonist situation and we we believe snape to be the villain throughout the rest of the book and then jk rowling pulls out a totally like sideliner out of nowhere and shows us that we were wrong about snape from the very beginning he wasn't the bad guy he isn't he he actually was trying to protect the stone uh that all that kind of stuff and so when you go back and reread the chapter all you're thinking about is all this new information you've learned about snape and so you never get to experience that again and so my weasley salute is to the fact that when you're reading for this for the first time snape is actually pulling off a really good antagonistic role 
And so whether it's watching the movie for the first time or watching or reading the book for the first time, whether it's Alan Rickman or whatever JK Rowling put on the book, you are actually getting the experience of, of seeing Snape as an antagonist. Whereas later he's, he's more of some people might consider him like a nuisance or, Oh, he's a bully or, Oh, he's, um, Oh, he's just abusing, you know, children. Why is he even considered a teacher? Uh, it's because he has those dark tendencies and, and we get to explore them as an official villain in the book of the, for the first time. But by the time we re- we reveal the ending that gets taken away and he's just another additional character that's, that gets to grow throughout the series. Uh, so if there was any a time to to kind of analyze Snape as a villain, it's during this first book and considering it from the perspective of Harry and seeing it as like, how do they play out as a protagonist versus antagonist role? He's such an interesting character. He really is. Yeah. Well, thank you for causing havoc with us today. Next time we will be discussing chapter nine, the midnight duel which is minutes 55.04 to an hour and three minutes and 42 seconds. James, where can people find you? So everybody, you can find me on Instagram on James M. Beltran. Um, That's where you can find me essentially not super active on it yet, but we're getting there. Uh, but the biggest place you're going to be able to find me in the future going forward is going to be James M. Beltran on TikTok, where we do a lot of things with, that are associated with the podcast and Harry Potter and all that stuff. So check that out. <laughs> you can find me at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I on Instagram. And then you can find all my other accounts linked through there. And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at captain.mitd. And um, you can find a few other accounts attached to that one as well. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you can. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. If you have any feedback for us, please leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378 or email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. And join the discussion in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest. And we also have an Instagram at peevesgabfest. And we have a TikTok <laughs> at peevesgabfest. <laughs> Until next time, Ickle Firsties. <laughs>